This is Social Media and Ourselves. I'm Diana Daly. This podcast always featured student voices, and now students will be doing a lot more, thanks to a fellowship from the Center for University Education and Scholarship at the University of Arizona. They fund the iVoices Student Media Lab, which produces this podcast, and a lot more that you can see on our website, iVoices.ischool.arizona.edu. We just ran a summer intern series you can check out there. This month's episode, though, it's the beginning of something different. Student producers are taking the reins, beginning with this month's story produced by Jackie Kuru. This piece began with an interview between Jackie and I and an audio composition Jackie made. Jackie ran with it. You'll hear the interview throughout, and you'll hear Jackie's composition layered behind, then on its own at the very end. Please note that there's offensive and hurtful language in this episode, and there are sounds of violence. Listener discretion is advised. In Atlanta, on Tuesday, eight people were killed, seven of them women, six being of Asian descent. Investigators have so far resisted calling the murders a hate crime. And when the door opened, uh, he stepped forward and slashed me. What were your thoughts, first of all, when you found out about these deadly attacks? When I first found out about these attacks, which attacks? Uh, the ones that I grew up with in growing up in New York City 34 years ago? Oh, are you talking about the attacks this week? It hasn't changed, nothing has changed. Three suspects ambushed the 67-year-old man, dragging him to the ground. They kicked and beat him. Hi, my name is Jackie Crew, and though you can't see me, I'm Asian American. In 2020 and into 2021, we have seen an uptick in all sorts of fears, whether it be the fear of getting sick, losing our democracy, or being brutalized simply because of our race. In today's episode, let's take a look at a past discussion I had with Professor Daly concerning Asian American hate and how social media changed the power dynamics of the hated and haters. We began with a discussion of an audio piece I made, illustrating what I believe to be one of the worst aspects of hate, active bystanding. So you created one other story for the class that I wanted to talk about. I'm not sure whether story is the right term for it. It's an audio piece, for sure, an audio composition, and it deals with some experience that you've had that was upsetting, and you really conveyed that through the audio for that. Could you talk about the process for doing that? Of course, yeah. It all starts when I make a story or anything with content is you need to know where the inspiration of this content came, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing. The first thing I did when I was building the thought process of this creative piece was I need to see it. How can I portray something if I don't truly see it to its fullest extent? So I would look up these hate crimes, these stories that were coming up, and I would watch them. I watched the George Floyd killing. I watched the poor Asian woman outside the lobby on that security camp. I watched that man close the door on her as she laid there. 
I watched that old man during the riots trying to hand back a helmet to the police get knocked over and blood coming out of his ears. I watched a subway attack. I watched hate. And from all of that, I saw something that I realized made my peace a lot more powerful if I could incorporate it, was the fact that people, there were people who wanted to intervene. There's people who wanted to, who just stood there in shock and fear, right? Because someone's getting a beat up, someone's getting hurt. You don't want to put yourself in harm's way. It's self-preservation. Nobody can blame you for that. But I also watched that man close the door on that old lady lying outside in the surveillance camera. I watched people actively stay on the sidelines. What do you think you learned from watching those things? I learned that there was three types of bystanders. Those who try to get involved, those who don't get involved because they're afraid themselves. And the last one, the one that I show in my piece, those who just don't care. Here we are, you're on Zoom, I'm on Zoom, you're on social media, I'm on social media, and I'm not even seeing people in person that often these days. But is there a bystander response when you're seeing this kind of thing online? What are you supposed to do? What are the things that you can do online and how do we deal with it when that's where it's happening? For me personally, because there is no easy answer, there is no right answer to this because everything is so gray in this area. For me, what the first thing I would go through my head, if it's a violent attack, send it to the police. Send that video as video evidence to the police department because even they have social media accounts at them. Share it to news organizations, get it heard, and share it to people that you think need to see it. There is no easy answer. This is just an approach I would do because I'm fortunate enough to be confident in myself and confident in my ability to stand up for others. I know that same is not true for others. I know people who may be in environments where trying to share is dangerous on their own end. So that's why I, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know everybody. I don't know their situation. While I still stand by my past explanation, my good friend Alicia made me realize there was another way to combat hate online to share yourself as a member of the community, someone to look up to. I had like a TikTok where I was posting like, just, you know, cause you know, I happen to be, practice a lot of martial arts. So I post TikToks about that. They happen to blow up. And I've seen some very like disturbing comments regarding my race from just people that I don't know. And <laughs> I kind of, at that time, made a little like identity kind of like making the far right's like press, cause I knew, like I would just say like liberal Asian girl takes down boy, you know? And uh, there were comments, people like saying like, that's like so wrong of you to labor yourself like that. But what if there's like this Asian girl who's so like reserved in her household, maybe like pressured by her parents and feels like she doesn't have a say or a voice or feels so invisible in society. What if she sees that and she sees someone who looks like me going out on the mat, just taking down these guys? What if that makes her feel empowered? Back to my conversation with Professor Daly, we began discussing the significance of these racial incidences, whether or not they should truly matter to the victim, to their allies, and to society as a whole. To whom is what significant? And why so? So do you want to talk about the situation that 
you experienced and, and shared with our class recently or now? I can, but truth be told, I don't think my story is significant enough to be shared simply because it is not uncommon anymore. Can you Meaning, explain what that means a little bit? Yeah, of course. The hate crime that happened to me, when that man came up to me and my dog when I was walking him. That's not the first time I was, you know, assaulted for what I look like uh, on campus. I don't know if you re know about the priest, Priest Daryl or something like that. He was banned from the campus for a while, but somehow got allowed back in, you know, like the speakers who say yeah. we're all burned in hell and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Uh, I will bleep it out if you would like me to, but I remember Please when I it. went there for summer camp or for summer school and I was walking with some of my friends to uh, the English building. He was there in the morning and he locked eyes with me and he locked eyes with my friends and he exclaimed, what are you doing with this Ching Chon cunt? Wow. Yeah. Again, it's not the first time. My dog getting hurt to protect me is not the first time. Getting called submissive is not the first time. Getting called cute because I'm a tiny Asian girl is not the first time. I got very creepy DMs and things like that. It's, But the problem is, and that's why I say it's not significant, is because it's not the first time. I don't mean to argue with you about what's significant to you, but what if the more often it happens, the more societally significant it is? What then? To add another level to the conversation, Alicia reminded me of another potential reason why I didn't see the hate against me as significantly as my professor. We grew up expecting this. We grew up sometimes even promoting it encouraging racial slurs like pingling, and mocking our own accents. Heck, sometimes even teaching others how to mock it as well. I thought I was just being seen as a stereotype, but I think I kind of shook it out with dark humor. I think a lot of people who suffer from trauma like that like to cope with dark humor. I don't know if you're very um, into Vine. Vine was popping around that time. Yeah, I remember Vine. <laughs> <laughs> do you know Josh Klondike Gabar? He's a viner. He doesn't, yeah. Yeah, he just like, he basically made fun of himself, but I thought that was so hilarious. So I think the following year, like, because I, I was called like Pingling, I think around like early eighth grade. So I definitely like took that stereotype and there were kids who were Asians at ACP Oakland just making fun of that Asian accent. Every time we said it, like even like the people who weren't Asian were just laughing at it. And I definitely like cope with just mocking myself and I even taught people how to speak like that but it was all light-hearted fun and games nothing serious yeah. you told us about this event we have a class of over a hundred people and we were all gathered on zoom most of us have never met each other in person and you shared that with the class and it was a really powerful moment in our class to hear from a student who's a peer, but also whom the students have really learned to look up to as one of our media lab workers. And you shared that in class and it let a lot of people know that experience could happen to someone like you. And you're small, but you have a real large presence online in our class and in all the places where I've interacted with you. It was with this very statement, Professor Daly made me realize something powerful 
about, well, power, and how the internet changed its very social dynamic. Yes, online can be used as a place to promote hate, but it can and has also been used as a place to promote social equality. It has been used to show the injustice done to George Floyd. It has been used to bring the topic of Asian American hate to light. It has been used by Alicia to reach out to other Asian American girls who need a strong peer role model. It was used by me to reach out to my peers in class, to my professor, and of course, to you, the listener. And with that being said, I'll let Pass Me finish up the rest. You said something that I think made me realize why I love online so much. Besides the fact that it's, I find it easier to meet like-minded people. Power. I am more powerful online. It's harder to harass me there because we are virtually on the same playing field. You cannot hit me because I'm smaller than you. You cannot hunt me down or intimidate me physically. And I can gain more power online. I can gain more voices. I can gain more like-minded people. I can be heard. We all start off with zero followers. What makes you grow is you, your character, what you put on there. It's not your genetics. It's not your physical traits. It's how you portray yourself. And I think that's why I love online so much is because we all start out with a basic profile. It's what you do with it actively that gets you more power, more influence. And that's why I love it so much. Because if I had to voice my concerns, reenact that audio story, tell the story in person, I am small, I am frail, I am one. Excellent, that was, that was well stated, Jackie. Man, look at you just making me realize all these things. Are you sure you're not like a, a sage bringing me to this internal enlightenment? <laughs> this is Social Media and Ourselves, and we've been listening to a story by Jackie Kuru. Before we play Jackie's audio composition, the organization Hollaback has training for bystanders of attacks at iHollaback.org. And students who experience racist attacks at the University of Arizona can report them to the Office of Institutional Equity. Our website, ivoices.ischool.arizona.edu, has more information and our show credits.
You're listening to Social Media and Ourselves. I'm Jackie Kuru, that disembodied voice you're listening to, signing off. Tune in next month when we discuss surveillance, the good sort of kind that helps you make friends online. Until then, see you next time.